Our text for this morning's sermon comes from Psalm 107, the verses 23 through 32. And we'll read those verses again at this time. And I'd encourage you to leave your Bibles open to this passage as well as we work our way through it. Congregation, hear the word of the Lord. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Beloved, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been at your wit's end? Have you been at that point where you're dealing with a problem or difficulty and you've run out of options and there's nothing more that you can do, but then you get through it? The Lord answers your spoken or unspoken prayers And you get past the problem or the difficulty you were experiencing. Have you ever experienced the goodness of God in this manner? Because if you have, beloved, then you'll have an easier time relating to the message of Psalm 107. This psalm focuses on the unfailing love which God shows to his people in times of trouble. And the praise which we should offer in response to that unfailing love. The key to the psalm is found right in the first verse where we are told, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Then, in order to explain this command and declaration, the psalmist provides four graphic examples of God granting deliverance to His people. Four demonstrations of God's unfailing love. First, we read of a group of people wandering through a desert wasteland who are led to a city in which they can dwell. Next, we read about a group of prisoners who are liberated from their captivity. Then, we are told about those who suffered from serious illnesses but were saved from death. And finally, we hear about those who went out on the sea and were saved from a raging tempest. This Sunday morning, we're going to focus on the last of these four examples of God's goodness and examine it in more detail under the following theme. 
Thank the Lord who delivers us from the raging tempest. And let us cry to him in our distress. And let us offer praise to him in our thankfulness. Psalm 107 is a psalm of the redeemed, of the people of God. It's a psalm which is calling upon believers to offer thanks to God. As it says in verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. It appears that this psalm was written after the time of the exile and the rebuilding of the temple. Now, during the exile, the people of Israel had been scattered all over the world. And as exiles, many of them had suffered a great deal as they tried to establish new homes and new lives for themselves in foreign lands. And when the Jews were eventually permitted to return to their homeland, many of these exiles were still quite content to remain in their new homes. But they would still attempt to go to the temple in Jerusalem on special feast days. On such occasions, we can imagine that the temple courts would have been filled with believers from all over the world who had been delivered from many hard experiences. And they could all thank the Lord as one assembly for the way that he had looked after them. Our text begins by describing a group of these believers, you might say. Those who go down to the sea in ships were believers who made their living by sailing upon the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea. We read that they carried out business on great waters. These were Israelite captains, pilots, and sailors who had set out from ports along the Mediterranean Sea or the Gulf of Aqaba, and they would sail to far-off ports carrying goods for trade. Now, in ancient times, this was a dangerous and lucrative business to be in. Ships were not the safest form of transportation. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians that he was shipwrecked three times, and he had spent a night and a day in the open sea. And we know that he was shipwrecked at least one more time on his journey to Rome when his ship ran aground on the island of Malta. Accounts of shipwrecks are so common in ancient writings that shipwreck stories are considered a a minor genre of ancient literature. It was relatively common that one day you would be sailing along the coasts of Africa, Asia, or Europe, trading goods such as olive oil and cloth for gold or silver or ivory, And the next day, you could be clinging to a piece of driftwood, swimming for land. As these merchants and sailors sail the seas, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. In particular, they saw the great storms and the tempests which could rage over the surface of the deep. God displayed his power in the power of a storm. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. Now it's one thing to 
endure a thunderstorm on land where the rain pounds down. It's another to endure one at sea where the waves can rise up like mountains all around you. If you want to picture in your head the scene described in our text, imagine that you're in the midst of a thunderstorm. But instead of being in your home or your car, you're out in the middle of a lake. And instead of being on solid ground or seated in a comfortable chair, you're out in the open in a boat that's going up and down like a roller coaster with no land in sight. Your simple wooden ship is effectively open to the wind and the rain. And there's no roof overhead when the lightning begins to strike. There are no life jackets. There's no coast guard to come and save you. It's a situation in which you are quickly reminded of your frailty as a human being. And the awesome power of our God. God is sovereign over all creation. And he governs it at each and every moment. And this means he can stir up a tempest with only a spoken word. And he can also bring about hard times and challenging situations in our own lives. We may not face storms with wind and rain and lightning. But we can face situations in which we are reminded of our own limitations. There are moments where we are clearly reminded that we cannot control the world in which we live. Sometimes we can be hit by a sudden disaster. A car crash, an illness, a theft or natural disaster. Other times we can feel slowly overwhelmed by financial struggles ongoing health issues, or a crumbling marriage. We may see these problems building, but we don't know how to turn things around. We may wonder at times why God allows these things to come about. If we do ponder these things, there are two mistakes we should be wary of regarding the challenges and desperate moments in our lives. The first mistake is to think that bad things simply happen and to forget that God is in control. The world will say, these things simply happen. You just have to to get through it. However, we know that God often uses difficult situations to bring us to repentance or to give us a renewed understanding of our dependence upon him can be striking how sickness can lead a a young child of God to taking his or her faith seriously for the first time. Or the way that a financial disaster can lead to a person finally learning what it means to rely upon the Lord and expect all good from him alone. It isn't unusual for the Lord to use hardships as a means of bringing us closer to him. The second mistake regarding challenges or setbacks is to assume that everything which goes on in your life is the result of specific sins which you might have committed, as if God were punishing you for a wrong you had done. We should not simply assume that the hardships which we or which a neighbor experiences is the result of a specific sin or sins. 
We're told in the Gospel of John that the disciples of Jesus saw a blind man and asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. We are taught by our Savior that some hardships are not punishments for sins, but opportunities for God to show his work and love in our lives. For example, in Psalm 107, there's no indication that these sailors had committed any specific sins, but God brought this tempest upon them in order that they might see the work of God and experience his mercy. The sailors mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. Their peril, their courage melted away. Now in this case, the heavens can be understood as referring to the sky. The psalmist is portraying a ship which is rising to the peaks of the waves and then falling down into the troughs. This is a real storm. One in which ships and lives would regularly be lost. A storm which demonstrates the awesome power of the Lord. And those caught in the midst of this storm, they reeled and staggered like drunken men. They're at their wit's end. Even those with experienced sea legs are losing their footing as the ship rocks violently beneath them. The storm is more than their skill can handle. They've thrown the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. They've run ropes under the ship to hold it together. We can imagine that they've done everything humanly possible. The psalmist is describing a situation in which things are outside of their control. These men are being reminded of their powerlessness in the face of a storm brought about by their mighty God. When dealing with challenging circumstances, we can also feel overwhelmed. But God can use these circumstances to remind us of our frailty, the limits of our skill and strength. God can use these situations to bring us closer to him. Adversity can be a blessing when it brings us to our knees and reminds us of our dependency upon the sovereign Lord. So what should we do when adversity comes? The short answer is that we should pray. We should beg the Lord to spare our lives, to keep us safe. Faced with disaster, the sailors in our text cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. They called upon the name of the Lord in urgent prayer, and he answered them in mercy. If you look back throughout Psalm 107, you'll see a a similar sequence taking place at the center of the preceding three sections. If you look in verses 6, verse 13, verse 19. In each case, the people cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. All these examples serve to amplify the central message of Psalm 107. That those who have been delivered from their trouble and brought out of their distress should give thanks to the Lord for his goodness 
and for his wonderful works to the children of men. When God answers your prayers, what do you do then? Do you simply breathe a a sigh of relief and go about your day as if nothing has happened? Or do you get on your knees and thank the Lord? When you're delivered from a scary situation, when your health recovers, when the Lord corrects the path of one of your children, when the bills somehow get paid, do you simply breathe a sigh of relief and go about your day? Or do you give countless prayers of thankfulness? You might wonder whether this is a psalm for all believers to sing. After all, some people are still in the midst of difficult situations. They haven't been brought out of their distresses. Other believers, particularly the younger believers in our midst, may not know what it's like to go through some of the fiercer storms of life. However, the reality is that this is a psalm which is relevant to all believers because of the work of Jesus Christ. We've all been delivered from our slavery to sin, the impending threat of eternal death. When we call out to God and ask with a sincere and believing heart for forgiveness for sins in the name of Jesus Christ, we are assured that God delivers us. We have the comfort of knowing that when we call out to God the Father in prayer, God the Son is seated at his right hand as our righteous mediator. He is our advocate before the throne of God. And he has authority over all of creation for the sake of his church. Therefore, we may have perfect confidence that when we pray for his deliverance, and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, our salvation is certain. Now this is not to say that we cannot call upon the Lord in the face of other hardships. It's only natural that we call for deliverance from the one who has already saved us from our greatest peril. The sailors in our text are saved from a present earthly danger. We should recognize that at all times, God has the power to save us from any calamity or danger that we may encounter. However, the point of Psalm 107 is not that God will always save his people from present disaster if they call upon him. We don't expect deliverance from every challenging situation in this life. The reality is that sometimes sailors will cry out to God but the ship will still sink. Sometimes we pray for healing, but the healing doesn't come. Prayer is powerful and effective, but it's not simply a means for obtaining all that we might desire. Instead, the message of Psalm 107 is that we must be vigilant in thanking God when he does answer our prayers. We see in our text that the prayers of the sailors are answered because God stilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed. God doesn't merely bring them through the tempest and give them the power to hold on a little bit longer. 
For their benefit, he calms the storm entirely. He demonstrates his sovereignty over all creation, teaching his people how everything is under his control. He can bring about both destruction as well as healing. He raises up the storm at a word, and he calms that same storm to a whisper. We may be reminded of how this power has also been granted to our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Mark 4, the verses 35 to 41, we see how Jesus Christ calmed a storm on the Sea of Galilee by merely speaking to the winds and the waves. The disciples asked each other at that time, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We can answer confidently, He is the Lord. He is God. And that is why the wind and the waves obey him. And that is why we should call upon the Lord Jesus Christ in our distress. Because we know that he has the power to save us from all our trials and tribulations. We know that he's already saved us from our greatest problem. From the fact that we are naturally sinful human beings. And so when he answers our prayers, we should respond appropriately. The psalmist notes that the sailors were glad when it grew calm. They were happy to be alive. You might say, well, of course it's only natural to be glad if you're saved from a disaster. But sometimes we can fail to take joy in the prayers which are answered. It can happen that we get sick and we pray and we pray and we pray that we will get better. And then when we recover, we thank the Lord once for our recovery. Or perhaps we don't even thank him at all. It's easy to forget how many of our prayers are answered if we don't reflect upon them. Simply moving on to pray about the next great need in our lives. However, we need to be wise. Remember that God is ultimately responsible for every answered prayer. He deserves our continued thanks. Perhaps you can think of a recent struggle in your life. Perhaps you had a financial shortfall. Or you hit a rough patch in a relationship. How long did you spend praying for the situation to get better? Did you spend a similar amount of time in prayer, thanking God when he answered that prayer as you had hoped? There's nothing wrong with thanking God multiple times for answering a request that we made numerous times. Could you imagine only thanking God once for the salvation he has granted us in Jesus Christ? Of course not. We know that by continually thanking God for sending his son to die for our sins, we're continually reminded of his great love for us. In the same way, thanking God multiple times for the many requests which he has answered can also remind us of his constant love and care over us. It can happen that our prayers turn into wish lists in which we ask God for one thing after another. As a result, our prayers at times can become quite self-centered. The best way to bring back balance 
is not to stop then asking God for the things that you need, but to spend more time thanking Him for the many prayers which He has answered on our behalf. We see in verse 30 that God didn't simply answer the prayers of the sailors by calming the storm. He also guided them to their desired haven. The Lord doesn't simply answer their prayers and then abandon them till the next time they run into trouble. Instead, he guides them to a safe harbor where they can rest after the terror of the storm. And in a similar manner, when God's children cry out to him for salvation, he does not simply answer that prayer for a time and then abandon them. When someone calls out to God for deliverance, God continues to guide their life from that point onward. God acts as the good shepherd. When someone enters his fold, he watches over that person and keeps them safe. He defends them against the attacks of the devil and preserves them so that they will inherit eternal life. Our God and Savior will guide us as well to the place that we desire, to the new Jerusalem where we will live in perfect communion with him. How can we respond to such a great salvation? Our text commands the sailors and all believers, saying, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. This is another one of those phrases which is repeated throughout Psalm 107. You can see it in verse 8, verse 15, verse 21. We should be eager to offer thanks to the God who keeps his covenant promises forever. The scriptures record for us all the amazing things he has done for his people in the past. The way he always preserved a remnant, even when his covenant people were unfaithful, so that the Savior would one day come. However, we also witness his unfailing love to this day. We see the wonderful deeds that he does in our own lives. We can reflect upon the redemptive work which God has carried out in the past, but we can also reflect upon the work of redemption which God is carrying out in the midst of our own congregation. We can see how the Lord leads his children to spiritual maturity and gives them strength during hard times. We can see young people undergo profession of faith, witness covenant children being born into our families. We see many of these wonderful acts of grace. In addition, many of the covenant blessings to the people of Israel have also been poured out upon the members of our church. We can think of the way that we enjoy longer, healthier lives than anything our ancestors could have imagined. Many of us get to eat foods from around the world visit far-off places, go for vacations which can last for days or weeks. We experience a multitude of blessings and luxuries. It's only fitting that we recognize that God is responsible for these things as well. We should all respond to his works with words of praise. As the psalmist commands, let us exalt the Lord in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. As the result of the wonderful things God has done, 
It's only appropriate that the rescued men of our text give thanks to the Lord. But we should be eager as well to give thanks for the deliverance and the blessings we have received. The storm was not simply meant to instruct the sailors who had to go through it. This difficulty was meant to benefit all the people of God. The assembly of the people is an Old Testament equivalent for the church of the New Testament. The sailors are not supposed to keep their deliverance from the storm a secret. They're to praise God in the presence of other believers. To encourage others by telling them about the wonderful things God has done for them. When God rescues us and answers our own prayers, we don't need to just keep that information to ourselves. We should also be eager to tell others about the wonderful things that God has done for us. We are supposed to offer praise to our God together with all his people, particularly when we gather for worship. We should take advantage of opportunities to sing praises to his name. Give offerings of gratitude. Present ourselves every day as living sacrifices to God. When's the last time you thought, this Sunday, I'm really going to belt it out during the songs. Or, I'm going to give a little extra during the offering. Because God has been so good to me this week. A worship service isn't simply a time when we listen to what God has to say to us. It is also a time for us to respond to what the Lord has done for us. When people share with us accounts of God's mercy and works in their own lives, we shouldn't ever scoff or roll our eyes, but join them in offering up praise to God for what he has done. We are part of a family of believers When one person in our family is blessed, we should desire to thank the Lord with them for their deliverance and the blessings that have been granted. We shouldn't simply praise the Lord in private, but also exalt the Lord in the presence of other believers, in the presence of our own council of elders. We should allow the entire community of believers to be encouraged by what God has done for each And every one of us. Every day, there are those of us who are being buffeted by different challenges. Even now, for some of us, there are situations which have us at our wits' end because they're beyond our control. And in such situations, we need to remember to cry out to the Lord because He is the one who is ultimately in control of all things. We are assured that he has delivered us from our greatest peril, our captivity in sin. And he is certainly capable of delivering us from all other perils and challenges as well. How will you respond to the wonderful deeds of the Lord? Will you mutter a quick thank you and go about your day? Will you share the good news of what God has done for you with others? Let us praise him, beloved, because he is the one who shows us unfailing love, who carries out his wonderful deeds in our midst. He deserves to receive the glory for what he has done.
Therefore, let us give thanks, because he is good, and his love endures forever. Amen. Let us now sing to our God the words of Psalm 107 as we have them put to music in verses 9 through 12. The stanzas 9 through 12, rather, of Psalm 107.